Welcome to My Best Friends in Engineer. I'm Libby. And I'm Lexi. And today, our guest for the podcast is our very own Lexi. She's going to talk to us all about being a validation engineer. We thought it would be kind of cool because I feel like like we, since we know each other in real life, like I feel like we've talked about our jobs like off of the podcast, but we probably haven't talked about it enough on the podcast where people know like what we actually do. So we're each going to do an episode where we interview each other and Lexi's up first. So I'm going to ask her all the questions about being a validation engineer. Yes, I'm excited. I feel like we have not gotten to details about like our jobs. We kind of keep it very very high overview, so this will be good. Um, and also, I do not know the questions before, so um, this <laughs> is going to actually be, yeah, it's going to be a real interview, so this will be good. Yeah, and I feel like, I don't know about you, but whenever people ask me about my job, like, I have this one friend who's always, like, so supportive, and she's like, how is it going with your job? And I just, like, can't even explain. Like, I don't know. It's it's hard to, like, explain yeah. to people, like, what you do. So I hope these are, like, questions that, like, can kind of have a good conversation for people to like try to understand a little bit better about like what validations engineers do yeah I'm excited because I am curious to see what you're curious about like coming because you're not in the industry so I'm just wondering like how I you know made it seem in these previous episodes so we'll see we'll see yeah yeah and I'm interested from coming like from more of the like manufacturing background like as opposed to the med device background of like if I'm going to be asking like the correct type of question, but yeah, we'll get into it. I'm just, I'm interested to see how it goes. Yes. But how was your week? Let's get into that first. Oh, well, actually, wow. is it like, what, when was the last time we filmed? I know. I was I just about to say. Yeah. I have. It's been a week. Brain mush. Um, yeah. But we did see each other this past week. Oh, so that's oh my why God. it kind of feels actually... like... I have, yeah, I, okay, I have have things to talk about, okay, so, um, this, this week was, has been good, we are right now recording on a Tuesday, and last Friday, my boss was on PTO on Thursday and Friday, and I was, like, chugging along, getting my things done, I'm owning, like, completely owning two full projects at this point, chugging along, working with the team members, and he calls me on Friday, to go through step-by-step of my Microsoft project schedule. And my Microsoft project schedule is currently like, like approaching 500 tasks of this project. So it like took a very long time to go through. And he obviously, he's like on PTO. So I, I didn't really like expect him to like go through it line by line on Friday with me. And he calls me at like 4 PM and we go through it and he like, I don't know. I just felt so defeated because it was like the end of the day. We're going through it line by line. And some, some of the things he's like, okay, well, did you ask this person this thing? And it was just, happened to be like something I didn't think of. And I was like, no, like I'll put that on my list. So then I have this huge list of, of things to like figure out. This is like Friday. We get off the phone at like 520. And turns out I have to present to the VP of our engineering department on Monday. So I'm like, okay, well, obviously I'm, I'm not going to just like leave this to Monday. Like, you know, being like the type A that we are, I was like, I need to like get this stuff done. So it's organized. Like I have a clear path forward. So I ended up staying at work until like 7 30 PM. And then I came in on Monday. That's crazy. My boss was like, he was like, thank you so much for getting all that done. But I hope you didn't stay till seven at work on a Friday. And I was like, well, 
I lied and I was like, I went home and I did it. But no, I stayed at work because what did you expect me to do? I was just, I wasn't going to not do like do it until Monday. So yeah, that's how my week has been so far. I hope I don't have to do that again. I, I wouldn't be surprised if I did, but I kind of felt like um, Benton vibes walking out of work at like 7 p.m. I was like, mm, this kind of feels like pulling an all-nighter at college again. <laughs> I know, I know. Actually, I had the same experience. Like I um, came in, but I came in early. It was like we got to site at 5 a.m. And it was like the sun was rising and I was like, oh my God, we're walking in. And I was like, oh, this is, ben- this is Benton vibes. But yeah. For everyone who doesn't know yeah. what Benton is, it's our engineering building where we used to Oh, yeah. Pull Good clarification. Where we used to yeah. literally They're live. Like, I wish Benton, I wish, I wish it would have had showers. If it had showers and like, if it had showers, A. Game changer. And B, if it had like a community fridge, I literally would not have paid for rent i just would have lived in the engineering building literally well the skybox and i think we talked about this before so that's the place where you could access if you had executive like if you were on the executive board of an organization they had a communal fridge and like a sink and a couch no no showers but that was that was always helpful that was i liked that because i would put like i'd go grab lunch and if i had leftovers i just leave it in the fridge and like it was empty no one would take advantage of it so so that was good. Yeah. Yeah, so that's how my week has been going. Um, and then personal-wise, I feel like I don't I feel like I don't really have much. Like I kind of was walking out of work even just today, just kind of realizing that I between commuting an hour each way and being at work, I like that takes up 13 hours of my day. So I just was like walking out of work today. I was like, oh my god, this is so much of my day each day that I'm doing this. But, you know, we're still on that time-blocking grind. I'm going to try to start using Notion, which I don't know if you've heard of Notion, but it's I think you've heard of Notion, Yeah, right? I've heard good things. I've heard good things. I've heard it's, like, there's a learning curve to, like, how you have to figure it out and everything and, like, the best way to use it. Yeah. But once you get it, everyone apparently is hooked, yeah. so. Uh, who knows? Maybe next week I'll be coming back telling you I'm hooked. But tell us yes. all about your week. How has it been? How has work been going? How has life been going? Yes, um, pretty good. I mean, I'll be at Wisconsin this week, so a little bit of travel. Um, golfed for the first time this past weekend with you. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying to think what else. It's like weird because we just saw each other, so it's like you know everything that's that's going on. I know. On. I know. We saw each other uh, uh, like think. three days ago. <laughs> yeah, um, but I'm trying to think. Yeah, not not much. I mean, traveling. I feel like my Wisconsin project. I actually got this project last august so to give people like a timeline in their heads for like how long some of these projects actually might take um so yeah now i'm finally like able to run it so exciting and we're gonna get all into like what your projects are like on today's episode yes um and other than that personal wise okay so i went to pilates yesterday and it was oh yeah updaters how's it been going yes it's been good i'm on my third class already um, and I bought four, so it was four okay. classes for $80, or 90, four for 90, but, like, the unlimited is 200, so I'm, like, I don't know, okay. I, I feel like I don't have, speaking about, like, our little financial literacy, I don't have too many expenses, so I'm, like, okay, I'll splurge on the, on the workouts. You but should, you should. I'm, like, yeah, but I used three in one week, so I'm, like, hmm, maybe we're just excited, but I don't know. So, I feel like two, yeah, it was good. you said so, 200 for unlimited classes. I yeah. feel like that's good. Especially if you go three times yeah. a week. 
Like, you could be going in one month. You could be going, like, 12 times. I know. I'd be so fit. Just, like, 20 so bucks fit. a class. So fun. <laughs> so, yeah. So, but then yesterday in our cardio class, it was, like, the first cardio class I've done, we were doing jumps on the little reformer. Oh. You know what the fr- reformer oh. is, right? It's, like, the little... No, I don't. Like the, Please educate thing. us. What is okay. the reformer? <laughs> okay. So, it's, like, a little table where you lay down, and it's, like, basically horizontal, and I'm trying to, like, think of what equipment I could compare it to, but I have no idea. It's, like, kind of, like, okay, I was think of, like, a rower setup, but okay. you can, it's, like, attached to springs, which is, like, where you get the resistance, and then you literally, like, pool yourself. Like, you're, like, oh. connected to, like, yeah, it's, like, all body weight, so. Okay. And okay. I don't do body, like, I don't do weights, like. I'm more of a cardio girl. So I was like so excited for this little for this little cardio Pilates. And we were doing these, these jumps. <laughs> and I felt so silly. Like you literally are on this like little like <laughs> like bed kind of that's like rolls. That's a good way to okay. compare it. And you're just like bopping, like your legs are just like tapping. <laughs> and and I'm you're like so this is silly. Pilates. I- like I feel like a frog I was like so I don't know I was sweating by the end of it so clearly something was working but it was just it was so funny I was like oh my god I was like looking around I was like everyone else is doing the same thing I was like good so you'll have to let us know next week if you decide to do the unlimited classes or not yes yeah I'll I'll let you know but I was I don't know I was like okay that was kind of fun yeah but yeah, other than that, nothing, you know, everything else, nothing, nothing crazy, but. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We're just chugging along. All right, we have our spill the tea, spill your stem tea. <laughs> Why did I just stop? <laughs> I was like, is she going to keep going? <laughs> she stopped? Okay. Um, all right. All right, this individual said, heard some juicy gossip about Tesla production issues. Hmm, what are they? I'm going to Google that after. I don't know. Um, I just watched a documentary on Netflix about Tesla, and it was really, really interesting. I don't know what the name of it is. Actually, it might have been on Hulu, but it was like it was just really interesting. They interviewed like an electrical engineer and a project engineer, and they no longer work for the company, but they both just looked so sad in the documentary because like, just the amount of stress... That they were under while working at Tesla. Yeah. Oh. oh my gosh, I can imagine. I'm reading the I'm reading the book about him now. Um, yeah. I You'll have actually, to give us an update. Yeah, it's interesting because I'm like everyone has such like, like, uh, what's that word? They have just opinions that are just like on both sides of the spectrum with him. Like, mm-hmm. um, so I'm like I'm just gonna read about him and see what you know, make a decision for myself. But it's very interesting. Interesting. Well, we love that. Okay. Um, Talia's tea of the week is that she is moving to British Columbia to start a new job for this summer. That is amazing. Congratulations on the new job. So exciting. And if you guys want to be featured on future Spill the Tea segments, um, we post a um, we post a question box on our stories on Instagram, so be sure you're following our Instagram if you want to spill the tea with us. Yes. Okay, so... Thank you so much, Lexi, for coming on the podcast this week. Before oh, no we problem. Get into it, <laughs> can you give our listeners a brief bio, share the background of what you went to school for, what your degree was in, for those who don't know? 
Yes. So my name is Lexi. Okay, I feel, I feel so silly. <laughs> so I went to Miami University of Ohio and graduated with a chemical engineering degree, and I have a biochemical concentration. I am currently in the medical device industry, as a, and I work as a validation engineer. So I do process validations as well as equipment validations, which we can totally get into in more detail later, but... Yeah, I was about to say, um, if you just do like a quick Google search of like define validation engineer, Google tells us that the validation engineer will oversee, evaluate, and calibrate equi- equipment, systems, and procedures used in the development and production of products and will ensure safety, quality, and purity requirements are met. So now that we know what Google thinks a validation engineer is, can you give like what your definition of what a validation engineer is? Yes. So I would say in this industry specifically, a validation engineer is someone that makes sure that all the requirements set by the regulatory agency or regulatory body of that certain product are met within testing. Um, So what that means is, you know, each country has a different regulatory body. So for the U.S., if you sell a product or manufacture in the U.S., you have to follow FDA guidelines. Uh, So my job is making sure that our products and our processes, so processes such as like manufacturing process, so compliant with the requirements that they set. So I would say Google's a little more wordy. (laughs) I I know. I feel like Google makes it hard to understand, but... um, I actually didn't know that because that's interesting. I, it's completely different industry, but in my new job, one of my projects is, we call it like rest of world and it's getting the product to the rest of the world. And I'm currently having to deal with the regulatory agencies in all those countries, like demanding all of this data from me. So have you, have you Mm -hmm. ever had to deal with like any of the other country regulatory agencies? Um, not specifically, like not directly yet. Okay. I'm not sure if it would be the same, but like, for example, I'm working on a product right now that is going to be launched in Europe and the testing agency that I'm working with is called Decra. So I don't know if it's, it's the same cause it's a completely different industry. I don't know if that sounds familiar. Yeah. Yeah. So this, yeah, this is gonna, you're going to be testing my knowledge here. So, but just as a disclaimer, this is my, I'm going to talk about this and this is my personal experience with validation. So I've worked at a lot of different sites and I've known, you know, that it actually varies significantly with each site. So if you want, I can go into a little comparison of like being a validation engineer at my first job and my second job. Yeah. Yeah. Sh- share. Cause you are on your second role post-grad. So if you could kind of like highlight maybe the differences or com- do a comparison between the two roles. Yes. So my first role, I was in specifically only the pharmaceutical industry. Um, And in my current role, I work, you know, with both pharmaceutical products as well as medical devices. I do mainly medical devices now. Uh, So in my first role, I was executing a lot, which that means I was actually doing the testing of the protocol that my team drafted. So a validation engineer, you have to draft these protocols, making sure that all the testing that is required is met or like included. Um, so at that first site, we were working with like, I think it was like 60 bioreactors we were validating. So that takes and wait, obviously a quick, lot of time. Quick so I think- Definition, what's a, what's a bioreactor? Okay, a bioreactor is, I, see that's, that's pretty, 
it's like I would kind is of is it like a chemical process to, or is it like a bio, biological oh no no, no. Process? it's it's like no, no no it's it's a biological process and it's a piece of equipment um, so I would compare it to just like kind of an ecosystem. So you can basically make a bioreactor do whatever you want it to. Um, so, you know, in this case, we were working on a COVID vaccine. A bioreactor is basically just a vessel that you can create, you know, a cellular process in. So you can culture these cells to produce what you want. So for our case, it was culturing the cells to work for towards that COVID vaccine. So that's a very high overview, but you can do a lot with a little bioreactor. You're testing all those different ecosystems. Um, actually, I we did not do that. So okay, well now I gotta, gotta go into detail for exactly what goes into a validation. <laughs> so see, I feel like it's like a little onion. You're like peeling back the layers. And we and are so just many, peeling so many it back. <laughs> <laughs> so basically, with validations, there's an IQ, OQ, and PQ portion. So for the IQ and OQ of an equipment qualification, you're literally just looking at the piece of equipment. So the PQ is kind of going back to what you just asked, you're, or you know, brought up going into the process of it. Like we're actually using mm -hmm. it during the PQ. Um, and the OQ, I guess, technically. But for our bioreactors, we didn't actually use it, like the process. Um, and that is because we kind of did all of we did all of the testing on one bioreactor initially for the OQ and PQ, and then all of the other you know, 59, they were considered like for like. So we were able to okay. just get by with using all the testing on one and then just doing like a very, you know, kind of like a condensed IQ OQ for the other systems. So the first system was technically called a first in family, and then the rest were like going through that condensed testing. Oh my gosh, so many so. new terms. I feel like this is like I know. new language. <laughs> yes. So, I, okay, so now I can go. Or I, I feel like I should follow your questions. I feel like I shouldn't just buy your reactor one. So, so yeah, so you're Let's taking see. these, you're taking these, you were describing how in your first role you were working on bioreactors. You described the process with the IQ, OQ, and PQ. Oh, we were talking about what is the comparison between your first role and your second role within the validation realm? Yes. So in that first role, because we were, you know, we were hired as consultants by the firm that I worked for. So the protocol was drafted by another individual on my team, and I was kind of brought on site to just help execute that testing. So I talked to her, and I think the process was about four months to draft that initial protocol. Um, and it was like over 100 pages because of bioreactor, especially like a COVID vaccine, or one that is used to produce a COVID vaccine is very high risk. So obviously it'll be very detailed. So it took her about four months and then the rest of our team was kind of focused on executing all that testing. So some of the tests included the pH. So we're making sure that the pH, which was the worst test of all, oh my God. So we'd have like a control and it would just take so long. Um, we would do, you know, check the speed of the pumps and turn them on, make sure they reach that speed for X amount of time if that was, you know, um, stated within the protocol and then we would pass that. Um, we did alarm testing, so making sure that all the alarms, if you know I disconnected a probe of the bioreactor, it would go off, um, and then making sure that that alarm is captured within the audit trail. So, you know, making sure that everything is recorded, which is a huge thing in the medical device and pharmaceutical industries, making sure that everything is traceable. Um, what else? And just so it just kind of that, sounds like I'm just trying to think back to like 
my because I I come from the mechanical background and I only really had to take chemistry and chem lab in college. So what I'm kind of gathering, it kind of sounds like you have almost like a chem lab, like you have your procedure and you're going through, you're doing all these tests, you're recording all of the data, paper trails, we love them. You're just making sure that everything is documented and the process is traceable. Is that kind of yes. kind of correct? Yes, definitely. Okay. So that is correct. And then, so I did that for a few months and because again, there were so many bioreactors. So it was a very, you know, redundant and repetitive job. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, I didn't mind it too much. It was fine. It was, you know, great learning experience because a lot of the times you're not able to work on the actual equipment, which I'll go into a little bit more in my second role. Um, but I did reach a point in my first role where I was able to start actually drafting my own protocol. There was a separate project at the same site. Um, so it was the requalification. So, you know, when you're considering this equipment, usually it's defined within the site's master validation plan. Okay, a bioreactor can be considered validated for maybe one year. And once we hit the one year mark, we have to do this other certain testing. So that was my project. So I actually was drafting that. So that was, that was pretty cool. So I like... Because the girl that drafted the first one for that larger project, she was my mentor. So it was kind of like, kind of cool to have like the mentor mentee. Um, but unfortunately, I didn't, I wasn't able to see that project through because I transferred or changed to this role. Um, so in this role, I do not do a lot of executing. So this is a huge difference. So I'm mostly drafting these protocols. Um, so I'm trying to... I'm trying to think. So a lot of them, I actually focus more on process validations now um, instead of equipment. I have done a, a little bit of equipment validation, but definitely not as much as my first job. When you um, say process, are you talking process. about like, are you talking about like, are, are we trying to picture like the process? And again, sorry for the mechanical innuendos, but like, are we thinking of like a production line and like the process that a production line takes? Or are you talking about like the process that like someone testing the equipment would go through to get the results? Or like, what is this, what does this process look like? Yeah, so the process that I focus on is the first one that you mentioned, the manufacturing process. Um, okay. But if you do, you know, testing in the lab, that process has to be validated as well, and that's called, you know, test method validation. So I, I can touch on, like, all the different types of validation, uh, but just to, I'll keep going about my second job. So process validation is kind of what I focus on. Um, and to give an example, there was a single-use mixer bag that they use at site, and that process was already validated, but my scope was to... Uh, validate the use of this bag multiple times for multiple lots in a row. Um, So kind of changing that process and making sure. So like the main focus was the mixer bag, but we had to do that whole process just to validate that step of the process, if that makes sense. Okay. Okay. So this, this maybe is kind of like a good transition into my next question. You talked about what validation engineering was like in your first role. You were doing some like more of the actual hands-on testing. And then in your second role, you're doing more of the drafting of the procedures. So what, um, oh, okay. What is the typical career path of a validation engineer, like in the med device realm? Do you, and validation engineers kind of start with start off by doing a lot of testing and then go to writing procedures um, and then go into like management roles or like what what does that kind of sequentially look like? Yeah, so I think 
you know, if you are with a consulting company, this is, again, this is my personal experience. If someone's listening to this and, and they're like, oh, she's so wrong. Like, I'm a validation engineer with 10 years of experience. <laughs> I, you know, this is just my, my point of view. So I have seen the, you know, consulting firms, I think they hire a lot of younger engineers to do that hands-on work. Um, so I think, you know, in my situation, I think I was very lucky to get that hands-on. I think a lot of people don't start with that. Don't start with poking, you know, $100,000 bioreactors that are going to make millions of dollars of products, you know, like mm-hmm. that was crazy. I like, ugh, don't tell my other job, but I totally broke some pH <laughs> probes. Like, it's okay. They knew. They knew. I'm not, but like, it's just crazy. Cause you're like, oh my God. Like, and they, they were easily replaceable, like whatever. But I'm like, that's mm-hmm. scary. Like it's, I don't know. So I think I was really lucky, but I don't think a lot of people start off that way. But my point is if you start with a consulting firm, I think that's the way it kind of goes. Then they kind of, because it's very redundant. It's not really hard. Like, you know, you don't need an engineering degree to do that. You need the engineering degree to understand how to make the strategy, which is kind of what I do in my current role. Okay. So I think I see, you know, my direct manager, he went the, obviously the managerial route, um, which is definitely something I want to pursue. I do see a lot of, you know, validation engineers that stay technical in my experience. They okay. stay, you know, my other coworker on my team, he straight up told my boss, he's like, I don't want to, I don't want to manage anyone. I want to be a validation engineer and I want to write these protocols and do these testing, these, you know, tests when needed. Um, Mm -hmm. And then like, I also heard like at the site that I support in Illinois, there was like a person who was a validation engineer for like years and years and years. So I feel like a lot of these validation engineers, in my experience, they stay technical for quite a bit of time. Leading into kind of sticking with the career path, like, uh, theme, what aspects of being a validation engineer originally drew you to this career path post-grad? Yes. So I knew I wanted to do pharmaceuticals or medical device industry. Uh, so that, you know, narrowed down my options. I keep in mind I graduated May 2020 of COVID, so I was also willing to accept whatever. So I got lucky with Mm -hmm. my first job um, at the consulting firm with a referral. And that is when I just, I just really liked validation. So I can also go through kind of like the different teams I work with and like, because it's funny because one of my coworkers from my first team... Yeah, one of my uh, my mentor actually, she switched to a quality role, and she loves it so much more. And I'm like, I would never want to be quality. So again, validation. You make these tests. You understand the requirements that are set by the FDA, and you kind of propose that strategy to the quality team. And the quality team, again, this is just from my experience. This might be different at each site, but the quality team confirm, like they sign off. They're the final approval. They, you know, they have the last say on these protocols. Um, and kind of if the FDA comes in, they're responsible for handling these audits. Of course, valid, the other teams support them. But it's kind of, I don't want to say on them, but it's kind of they have the highest risk and, you know, impact if something does go wrong. Um, okay. And then, then we work with the engineering team. So automation, they help us understand the technical parts of it. So I have to go to them and I have to say, what parameters do you need for your process? You know, what speed, you know give me those numbers. Hopefully, hopefully they work. Um, so yeah, those are kind of the main teams I work with. And then of course the production and manufacturing team that we also work with them to make sure that 
you know, we can schedule it. We can understand what the lot size requirements are, X, Y, Z, what, what specific products we're producing, like all that stuff. So, so I, I, I want to get into a little bit more about like how the FDA kind of regulates all of this testing and how that kind of like motivates what you have to test. But before we get into it, for our listeners, I don't know if we've touched on it, but when you have been talking about like these manufacturing teams that you're working with, the cross-functional teams, are we picturing like um, like syringes being made, any and all med devices? Are you specializing in one type of med device, like kneecap replacement things, prosthetic hands? <laughs> like what type of med device are we picturing in our minds? Yeah, so, okay, good question. So I have worked with syringes. Um, I'm trying to think what other products. I work with uh, humidifier adapters. So specifically the actual validation that I was on that project was a packaging validation. So I wasn't working with the actual adapter. I was actually working on the uh, packaging. So it was like the film and then the paper with the label. So that was interesting. That was like my first time doing a, a different type of validation. So that was pretty cool. Um, I have a formulation validation as well that's going on. So actual the actual product, um, which is just kind of like kind of like a lube jelly <laughs> but a medical <laughs> one. <laughs> a medical lube not <laughs> yeah so <laughs> that's that's uh, one of my medical lube <laughs> it's just like a mixture it's, it's just like the common name is really unfortunate for this podcast to say but <laughs> that's what I'm working so um okay <laughs> I'm trying to think what other devices do I have <clears throat> so is this um, oh, like then, in the is this like in the the the, the, the validation because I'm just I'm picturing like a manufacturing line you said a lot of times you're working on validating the process are we in like are you mostly focused on new products and validating the process for brand new products that go to market or are you focusing on validating existing products that are already on the market like what phase are we in with the product life yeah, so I so my first role with the new bioreactors, they were completely new bioreactors. Um, this current job, I have one new piece of equipment I'm working on. Um, Product-wise, though, it's mainly innovations or like improvements. So it's you know for that packaging validation, we switched the material due to supply chain issues, which was a huge you know huge source of a lot of these validations coming up. So for the um, formulation project that I just talked about, it was because the supplier couldn't supply that, you know, raw material. So we had to change that specific raw material. There was a shortage of lube? (laughs) Well, I don't even, I can't remember what the specific... We're gonna have to rate this one explicit. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, no, it was yeah. Okay. So what else? What else? I totally lost my train of thought. So it was the packaging material. Um, We're oh, just and talking then, about like the different things that you've yeah. worked on for validation. Yeah. So then um, I have new tubing coming in. That's another project. Um, and then the mixing bag that I told you about, it was because there was a shortage of that specific mixing bag. So they had to find a way to be able to reuse it, which that one kind of irked me, honestly, because it's in it's in the name. It's a reusable, or not, sorry, not. It's a disposable mixing bag, like single use okay. specifically. Right. So I was like, okay, it kind of irked me a little bit. 
but we did find a way to make it work and it was you know it was okay but i was like they're like they come to me and they're like eh, we need to use this three times and i was like that is not what it's needed intended for i was like okay oh but. that is so weird so you had to test it to be able to have it be used three times but it was mm-hmm. only single use interesting yeah so that yeah so a lot of it and like i do want to get into this or like touch on this a little bit it's a lot of validation which is why i like it is spinning like things and trying to make it work so that's why i think i like it so much and like i told i kind of mentioned about how my mentor switched to quality i mean i think quality does play a role and like they have to strategize too but i think you know they kind of just approve or deny the what i come to them with Uh it's like i kind of suggest okay Okay. maybe let's try and make it work this way and they're like yes no (laughs) most of the time they're like don't got it (laughs) it's like oh okay it's like i'll come back i'll come back with a better idea but uh (laughs) so for that situation you know i had to find justification i had to find data that proves that our product won't be impacted if we use it you know more than once um so i love that part of validation though you're really in like the deep core of essentially problem solving itself you're presented with the problem you have to figure out how to write a test plan to do the testing to qualify it against some fda regulations and then you present it to the quality team for them to either approve or deny yeah exactly and it's interesting because the fda regulations a lot of them if you read them they say you know this is guidance this is not requirements and it's so open-ended. Oh. It's all about like it's all about interpretation, and they you know they do explicitly say some things, which is really helpful. We love when they do that. But some things, it's just like okay, well they say this, and you know this is what it means, but they're not saying it. So it's just like they love to keep it vague, though. A little FDA. Lots of gray area. <laughs> sounds like yes. So this is probably a good time to transition into some questions that I had about like the testing and working with the FDA. So I have never worked with the FDA before. I don't have much experience like within that realm of regulatory agency. So um, my question is, and maybe this is obvious, but who defines the standards in validation? Is it the FDA? And like, how do you guys as a validation engineer, how do you get that knowledge? Is there like a database that they like share it out on? Do you get a little email or like, how do you, how do you find these documents? Yeah. So, yes. So each product, it depends on where you manufacture and where you sell, but each regulatory body has their standards that they set. So, for example, we can focus on the FDA. They have, you know, you go to FDA.gov and they have a lot of their guidance documents and their standards listed right on their website. So the medical device process is under 21 CFR 820, which you can literally Google. It has all these different aspects. It talks about like production, it talks about packaging, labeling, and it kind of has all those requirements listed. But you could go further on the website and then they have like these guidance documents that kind of, again, they're guidance documents, they're not requirements, but they kind of help you, push you in the right path is I, is how the FDA likes to put it. Um, and, and they also have warning letters on their website. So a warning letter is basically is <laughs> your face. Which <laughs> <That> sounds scary. <laughs> it's a warning. I know. I am scared. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> so basically when the FDA comes in and audits your site, if they find something that's, that's, you know, very not, that's not correct. Um, they issue you a 483 observation. And if the 483 observation needs to be escalated, it kind of is escalated into the warning letter. And you have to respond, I think, within 15 business days. 
like exactly stating what the root cause of the issue is, how you're going to solve it, like the timeline of when you're going to solve it, your literal, like the actual plan, you have to document all that. Um, so they list, they have those listed on their website. And I actually wanted to do a TikTok series of this, like reading the interesting ones, because there was one and it was a cannabis company that I was looking on the website. Okay. And they were like selling like CBD stuff to horses and humans. And, oh, and it okay. was so interesting. That, yeah. And it was so interesting because I was reading through the through the letter and they were literally pooling. Like, I don't think they audited their site. They literally pulled from their social media. They're like, oh, because the fine thing, I think it was, they are selling a new product without going through the approval process with the FDA. So again, like when you have a new product, you have to go through that whole, whole process. But that's more of a regulatory affairs issues which I would love to have someone in regulatory affairs because I still barely know <laughs> what goes into that. But um, so you have to, you know, bring that new product to the FDA. So they were claiming in the warning letter that they didn't bring any information to them about this product, but they claim that they sell it. And they literally pulled like ratings. Like someone was like, oh, this is awesome. Like my horse oh was my like gosh. doing so well on it. And I was like, and it was so funny because it was like literally in parentheses, like, like, I think someone did, like, the UR, like, the UR, and I was like, I can't believe this is an FDA. Oh, like, my gosh. Yeah, like, I was going to ask you, like, awesome. what's, what's an, I was going to ask you, like, what's an example of, like, that, is it a 43 letter that you get issued? Like, what's an example of something that you uh, might do, and you can make it up, like, what's an example of something that you would do where you would get that? Yeah, so, one example would be, mm, I'm trying to relate it back to well actually one that i was looking at it's they like the site i think failed ph testing and then they retested the ph and then they retested it again so in some scenarios you're able to retest the ph but if you fail a third time then that's when you have to open an investigation and so this is kind of how i was mentioning with like the response to the fda letter it kind of goes the same way so when you have a deviation which is where your test result is out of spec you have to understand what the root cause of that is. You have to state what your plan is and what your timeline is to solve it, you know, or like what the impact on the product is. So the claim was the FDA was saying that they didn't do that properly on their site, um, which is true. I agree. <laughs> I agree with the FDA, but. So do yeah. these FDA requirements, like if someone were to right now go on the website and look on the FDA, are there specific like quality are the are these like quality requirements they have to they have to abide by are they like uh like chemical like specs that you have to abide by like or a range that you have to fall within so the only time i've seen specs listed um is in usp which is like the Mm, I have no idea i can't even remember so usp let me google it actually it's like pharmacopoeia something USP guidelines. Oh my yeah, US. Okay, it's. I know. I'm telling you, it's like a layer. I'm like, I'm trying to make sense, but okay. So USP is the US Pharma Pharmacopeia. So I guess I was right. I got one word right. See, it's like there so hard go. to remember all go. this stuff. But um, so they actually listed like what? So they list water testing requirements. So they listed like for your TOC, which is total organic uh, carbon content. You have to. You can't pass. You know, like maybe 500 parts per billion so that's i think okay. that's the main time i've ever seen like these specs um just because in my in my work i don't like for like for process validations again i told you it was like kind of broad so i feel like the process you know you don't have like a set like oh this 
you know, a machine has to run at this speed or anything. Um, so yeah, so just water testing is what I've seen, like the actual specifications listed by the FDA. So to kind of walk through the process, you get, you find out like a new project, you have this new product that you have to validate. From there, you go on the FDA website and you're trying to find the relevant um, information or FDA guidelines that are applicable to that product. And then when you get into writing your actual test plan, do you have to like come up with work instructions that you then give to operators or like the people who are running your testing? Um, yeah, so if it's an operator running the test, so usually in my experience, they there have been site SOPs that exist already for that testing. So like I like for example, I would write it in like manufacture you know this product per SOP X Y Z. Okay. Um, or if there's only a few steps, I would say manufacture per SOP you know X Y Z steps three to seven. And like if there's line clearance, don't clear the line because if we're trying to run like multiple lots and then that line clearance would be, you know, not needed. Um, so that's, I like it when that happens, but if that doesn't happen, then yeah, you have to explicitly either create work instructions, which is nice because it's a separate standing document, or you just have to literally list it within the protocol and make it clear. And I think, like, one thing off of that, what helped me in my first job is that each step was exactly written out. So it was like, okay, click start. And the, so it would be, like, the way that the protocols are set up, it would be like test step, you know, it'd be test step one, test description, expected results, and then does it pass, yes or no. So the test description would be like, turn the machine on, and then like the expected result would be machine does turn on, and you would have to write in does. But it was like literally all these mini steps, so it was like so nice, it was like you didn't even have to think. So like on a Monday morning, you don't want to think, I'm like, okay, let me go Plan You're like, let me HMI. just read the instructions. I'm good at that. <laughs> yeah. So, and then one difference when I was coming to these sites, they were not writing it as explicitly. Like, it was literally not in the table format. Some of these protocols, it was like literally like a little paragraph that they would write. And I was like, oh my God, this is just like, I wouldn't want to read it. Like, it's just a huge paragraph explaining all these steps. I'm like, so that's another difference. Like, I think that first job really helped me. Because again, the pharma standards are so much higher and like more stringent than the med device standards. So okay. that kind of helped me and my type A personality. <laughs> no, exactly what I'm doing. Time block out my testing schedule. Please tell me what to do. <laughs> yeah. Um, you- like I told you my mentor wrote that protocol. She taught me so much. Like I, if she's listening to this, hey girl. <laughs> like I literally- I it to your mentor. <laughs> yeah. She is like, if I'm type A, she's like type- triple a like oh my gosh she was such a good i didn't know we could get more a than you i know i know right but uh no she was a great resource to learn from so i learned so much of that first job so yeah you talked about okay so i'm kind of interested because again coming from like the mechanical background and my most recent career change now i'm very much into the consumer product world just thinking about this from that perspective, you talked about how sometimes lines will have SOPs that you can kind of like, um, maybe like reference when you're doing the testing. Do you in your role ever have to like get clearance or work directly with the manufacturing people to like get permission to bring the line down? Cause I'm assuming when you're doing this testing, that's a time period where they can't produce. Like, do you ever have to work with like the demand schedule of the, of the product or like anything like that? 
Oh, yes. Um, so, I don't know if you remember, well, you probably do, when I was talking to you about that frustrating situation at work, like, it was a few weeks yes. ago. Like, that was yes. the only time. So, we are still working with it. Like, that project still hasn't been finalized. But, again, this is, like, where the strategy comes into play. So, you know, there it was an acquisition. So, their company didn't require additional testing. So, that PQ, I'm considering that additional testing just because that's the third phase. Uh, they were saying that only an IQOQ is acceptable. But per my company's standards, because we acquired them, we have to do for new equipment an IQOQPQ. So the struggle with that I was getting from the production team was they were like, okay, well, this PQ run is going to be a week. Um, and for PQ, you have to do three consecutive runs because that proves the process is repeatable. So if you do it twice, it's 50-50. Once you get that th third time, it's over the 50% mark and you know that your process is repeatable. So the backlash was, okay, this is three weeks. So if we're not gonna, if we're gonna have to hold product for three weeks, they make a lot of product in three weeks. I don't, I don't know the specifics, mm -hmm. but it was like a big deal. That's why we had, had that whole, whole stuff. So then, um, you know, I'm working with the quality team. I'm like, okay, I agree that this is unreasonable. It's, you know, pretty low risk equipment, but because of the way that my procedure at our company was written, we have to do the PQ. So we actually ended up writing in a quality plan that allowed the product to be released at risk. So they're able to, you know, still produce, release it. We're going to make sure that all the test requirements are met and, you know, in process QC inspections, um, but they're still able to release the product. So that was kind of our solution. So that's kind of an example of your, of your question. But to answer it in the short terms, yes, unfortunately, validation is, we are tedious. We are a little bit <laughs> frustrating. <laughs> and, you know, I'm sure it's so frustrating for these individuals that have been working at this company for 30 years. And this girl comes in and I say, you know, the FDA says this. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, we have to do it. But, I mean, again, it helps because you have to... I have these standards to back me up. I have that verbiage. Like, I have someone else that knows much more about this industry than me. So, right. I is there anything that, like, with working in validation and just, like, with the FDA and in medvices in general, is there anything or any scenario that you've encountered in your job that, like, shocked you? Like, whether it be, like, the amount of money spent or, like, the time it takes to do something or, like, the process it takes to do something or anything like that? Mm-hmm. Okay, well, I loved the high adrenaline rush of my first job. Like, it was, we were making these, by we were validating the equipment for the code vaccine mm -hmm. if our validation wasn't done by a certain time like that was millions of dollars of product that wasn't able to be produced yeah and it was just insane like we would work 12 hour days like I think you know I entered the team when this project was like high up so these people like the people that I've been working with like if they're listening they're like oh she didn't do that much because <laughs> it's because they were doing it for weeks before me and I'm yeah. like I you know admire them for that but so that was that was crazy. I loved that. Like, and it's the first job too. And I'm like, oh my god. And I'm like going to my pH probes. And I'm like, oh my god. It's like, don't touch them. Like, don't touch the ends. Twelve hours a day. <laughs> yeah. So that was shocking. Um, I think another shocking thing is how much people try to get away with with being in the medical device industry. So for example, like I I made the comment about the uh, single use bags. Mm -hmm. It was a very, it was a low risk product, so that's why it kind of evened out. But uh, again, like if, you know, it's supply chain, your whole com your whole production line is done. If you can't get a certain bag, like what are they, what's, what are they supposed to do? 
one other interesting i feel like i'm ran, rambling i'm so, so sorry no this is <laughs> good like not going, going. um so one other thing that was interesting is we were talking okay how are we gonna release this product da, da, da. and then a individual on the quality team um you know told me a story she's like oh at my previous company we use the justification of releasing this product because if the patient didn't have this product it would be of higher risk than if the product was maybe adulterated or like a li- there was a defect that was not yeah and i was like oh my gosh i was like that's crazy you know being the one to make that call i was like keep me in validation i said hands off i'll we'll, we'll brainstorm but no i mean <laughs> that's, 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 that sounds like high like high stress definitely high stress environment yeah so um yeah so that was crazy so that was shocking as well again like how people try and spin the rules like you know i've been it's just funny hearing these conversations because like the engineering team like they're like no that's not it's no risk at all i'm like mm-hmm. boy i'm like there's a lot of risk you're like i the fda i have it right here we got it, <laughs> it is a risk it's like i printed it out and highlighted it and red lines yeah. And- <laughs> yeah right wow so yeah well, um, okay, so I have one more question for you. It is okay. a question that we ask all of our guests on this podcast. Oh, but before man. we get oh, into man. it, before we before we get into that last question, is there anything that like I didn't ask that you wanted to touch on or like last minute comments, thoughts, anything about like for people who don't know what validation engineering is, anything you want to touch on? Hmm. I don't know. I feel like I just word vomited everything about my life right there. That was so good. I feel like I learned so much, like, because I'm trying to relate to, like, roles that I work with. And so, like, the more you explained, like, the process, the more I was like, oh, that kind of, that kind of makes sense. One other thing about my job is re- that I enjoy is reviewing the validations of vendors. So basically the scope of that is just to make sure the vendors we're using, they actually do the validations up to the requirements. So, you know and up to our, kind of our standards as well as a company. Um, so for example, I review a lot of surgical glove validations from China. Um, and that's so interesting because like, sometimes I'm sent them in Chinese and I have to like request from the Chinese, like the team in China, I have to ask them to translate them. Cause I'm like, I don't, I can't. So, so that's interesting. Also working with all these different countries. I'm trying to think, I have worked with vendors in India, but, um, nowhere else honestly too too crazy but yeah yeah i hope that makes sense like i'm just trying to explain it from my point of view again like some people might have different experiences um which i would love to hear about honestly i like working with these different sites it's always interesting to go in and see you know how the validation team works with all all the other teams but yeah that's my experience so far and i'm very happy like again i told you how my mentor at that first role she's like nope i want to be the last say and i said you do you, girl. I'm going to stay right here and have the second or third say. <laughs> I was like, that's fine. <laughs> it's like second in line. That's fine with me. You're like, I'm just going to stick here. Yeah. So, but yeah, no, I, I really enjoy it. I just really got lucky again with my first role that it was something that I really enjoy and I can see myself staying in. So. I love it. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to ask you the question because you are still a guest until we finish the question if wait what is the question again okay knowing what you know now (laughs) i was about to like go into a totally different question um okay so knowing what you know now what is one piece of advice that you would give your younger self 
I would, I think we answered this once before and I think I'm gonna change my answer because I don't think this is what I initially said. I think it would be, ooh, now I have another one. Okay, actually, I guess they align, they align together. So I would say, be more confident and, you know, stop caring too much what others think. I guess that kind of, does that kind of like go together? I don't yeah, want to give like two answers because I, so. I think that's cheating. I want to like, no, like be I more think confident totally goes and, together. yeah, yeah, I think that is very important. I think, you know, I was, I, you know me, I was like, I'm always like thinking about what other people, how they're perceiving me. And I'm like, you know what? It doesn't matter. I think it's important to be straightforward. And that's what I've learned in my role so far. Um, and little Lexi. Stop it. Stop caring. Come on, little Lexi. <laughs> Listen to the podcast, little Lexi. Okay. Well, that is all my questions. Um, Amazing. Thank you for being a guest on this podcast. You can now transition back to being a co-host. You're done and the Amazing. guest hot seat. <laughs> that was um, so fun. That was actually... Oh, my gosh. I, yeah, did I, I, I ask I you to, like, good questions? My thought. Yeah. I think, I think I just need to, like... I just, again, it was like a layer. I was like cutting and like throwing all the terms mm-hmm. around. You were tossing salad, I hope, you again, had turnips in there, you had lettuce, you had <laughs> onions, you had carrots. Yes. So I hope it made sense, but no, those were good questions. They were questions that I didn't, some of them I didn't expect. So mm-hmm. good, good, good. I love to see, I don't, it's just so hard when you have a job and you're like stuck in this bubble. And then like, even when I'm like talking with Brett about my job, my like job at the end of the day, I'm always like, ignore what I'm about to say because I'm going to vent to you about something, but you're going to have no idea what I'm saying. It, it's totally like speaking a new language, which I feel like is why sometimes it's so hard to get acclimated to a new engineering job is because it's you literally have to learn like a new language. Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah. And that's why I'm saying like it might vary from site to site because it definitely, I had, you know, very two different, very big experiences from my first role to second. So, Yeah. Okay. Well, I think that's all we have for today's episode. Um, unless you, have, awesome. I don't want, I don't want to cut you off. Do you have anything else to provide to our listeners? Nope. <laughs> I think I've word vomited enough. <laughs> well, you guys, everyone should join our Facebook group. It's linked in our Instagram bio, and then it's also in our show notes. And you can reach out to Lexi if you have any specific questions about validation engineering, because we do have like a little spreadsheet in that Facebook group. Uh, It's like a career spreadsheet and you can fill out your information if you feel comfortable with people reaching out to you for advice and questions. So if you guys are listening and you're maybe thinking validation engineering might be for you, definitely reach out to Lexi and ask her more questions. Yes, yes. I'm always, I always love talking, talking about my job. That sounds so nerdy, but... I don't know, like, even just telling you the stories, I was, like, getting so excited. I was like, oh, my God, someone wants to listen. Because I feel like, (laughs) like, I don't know, I I don't talk about it that much. (laughs) I feel like that's why we get so hyped about this podcast, too. We both just, like, love talking about career things. Yeah. So, okay, well, if if our listeners want to reach out to you and learn more about validation engineering, where can they find you on social media? You can find me at Engineer Lexi on Instagram and TikTok. How about you? Uh, my you, my wonderful interviewer. <laughs> you can find me um, at Libby V on the label. And um, if you guys like this podcast, please consider sharing it on your social media. Um, the more it gets shared, the more people can hopefully, you know, find some value in this and, 
you know, get help with learning more about careers that are available to women in the STEM fields. And how did we forget to say this? Don't forget to leave us a five-star rating and review. You can do that on Spotify and leave a written review on Apple Podcasts. We are currently doing a giveaway. So fill out our Google form alongside a review and you'll get entered for a $100 Visa gift card. You can follow um, the podcast on Instagram and TikTok at my best friends and engineer. And on YouTube at BFV Podcast. Okay, great. That's all. That's all, folks. That's all we got for today's episode. That's all we got. I'm Lexi. And I'm Libby. And, and thanks, thanks for listening, for listening to, my to my best friends, friends and engineer. engineer.